Hannah's faith, the power of a song. The power of a song. We've all felt the power of music or a song, right? It can lift a mood. It can set a mood. It can lift a spirit, right? Lift your spirits. It can keep you low, right? Nothing like the blues. It can shift your focus or distract us from our current reality. How many of us have used music that way? I love a good song. We admire, adore, even borderline worship artists, right, who sing a song that touches our hearts. We've even seen the power of song to move crowds, right? You've been in a moment where the right song and people lift their hands, right, or, or they hold each other and cry, right? Songs have power, and they're uh, powerful. And so songs have the power to influence us for the moment, but some songs can even shift the trajectory of lives, and nations. And this song, this morning, the song that Michelle just uh, read us is the song of Hannah. It's Hannah's song. It literally hinged the nation of Israel from a place of judges and a place of, of uh, repentance and revival and then uh, judgment and, and turning away from God and then back in repentance and revival and this, this cycle of failure and success and failure and success. And then this song comes in, Sarah, uh, uh, Hannah sings this song and it shifts the trajectory of the nation. I've been, luck luckily when I was in grad school, I was with a young man named Bruce Izzet who wrote the, the unofficial national anthem of Zimbabwe. And he would talk about how he wrote this song and then the young people of the, of the nation sing it with all their passion in their heart. And just the humility and, and the neat, like, man, I've been a, this guy wrote a song that shifted a nation, that inspired a nation. It was pretty cool. And yet, Hannah's song comes out of this background. If you, if you know the, the history of, of the nation of Israel, they've gone through the Judges, and at the last verse of the book of Judges, it says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound familiar? There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so Hannah sings this song. She, she declares this prayer. And this marks the beginning of a new chapter for Israel. Now my main theme this morning is that Hannah's song gives us courage to face our story, faith to join his, and courage to sing our song. Number one, Hannah's song gives us courage to face our story. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exult in the Lord. My horn, which means my strength, is exalted in the Lord. See, Hannah had a story. You ever heard a song and you're like, ooh, I wonder what the story is behind that song, right? That's why the interview with the authors is like, man, what was going on with this song? Because there was something going on. You know, you've heard a song like, okay, there's a story. I want to hear that. And so Hannah has a story. She, she is singing from a place of history. And so if we sat Hannah down and said, Hannah, what, what went on? This is what you find out. Hannah was one of two wives of a, male, a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah had two wives. One of those wives, Peninnah, had children and Hannah did not. She was barren. And so there was this pain inside of her, but, 
But this time in human history to be barren was probably the worst time in human history to, to be that. In fact, scholar um, Leland Riken says this, the image of the barren wife is one of the Bible's strongest images of desolation and rejection. Because not only was she not allowed to have kids and that joy and that excitement, but <clears throat> she couldn't produce anything for the people. Right? There's a time when you don't have the, the sons and the warriors. Right, the, the city next to you will take you over. And so your job is to have babies. That's all. There's no like second career for you. This is it. And every day, every year, she would come to the, the, the city where the presence of God was in Shiloh, and she would cry, and she would cry out to God. But to make it worse, her other wife, the other wife of, of Elkanah, would rib her and, and ridicule her and mock her. And so there was two kinds of pain going on here. There's this corporate pain. I don't know if you've ever been to a potluck where you didn't bring anything. You ever done that? And you're like, I mean, as a college student, I'm going to be honest, like almost every potluck, I didn't bring anything. Just came to eat, man. There was a deficit when I came to the potluck. But I mean, you feel kind of weird. You're like, everybody's bringing stuff. Everybody's sacrificing. And you're not bringing, you're just consuming. But this was every day of her life. She's not bringing anything to the table. And she feels horrible about this. Nothing to make the army larger. Nothing to boost the economy. Personally, though, not only corporately, but personally, this was her 401k. This is her social security. Without any kids, who's going to take care of her? Her future is insecure. So she's feeling this pain. Not only that, but she was mocked by her other, the other wife, the other woman was mocking her. And then... This is what I love. Her husband comes to her. How many husbands have ever been trying to make, just make things better? So I'm here to make things better. Since it's my anniversary, I'll tell this story. The night before the wedding. The night before the wedding. Michelle is laboriously putting together party favors. Right? I'm just going to tell a story on myself this morning. She's putting the other party favors in. She has silver aluminum foil Hershey Kisses and purple aluminum foil Hershey Kisses. And the purple are dark chocolate. And that's our, it was our, our colors for the wedding. And they were favors and they were wrapped in tulle, some ribbon. And she is like, I mean, you know my wife, she is like, she's in there with these, it's gonna be perfect. Well, we run out of purple foiled Hershey Kisses. And a crisis ensues. And I'm like, what's, what's the big deal? I've been to lots of weddings. I don't remember one party favor. You know? <laughs> and so in my immense wisdom, I come to Michelle. I'm like, Michelle, don't you realize that everybody's just going to throw these in the trash on the way out the door? It's okay. Just calm down. I'm a big boy. I was a single man at the time. And then waterworks ensue, right? What, what did I say? I'm making things better. And here Elkanah comes up to his wife. He's like, am I not worth more than 10 sons to you? And she's like, no, you know. <laughs> you are not worth more than 10 sons to me. 
and to put insult to injury the, the, the priest, the person who's trying to, supposed to stand in the place of God to her, sees her weeping at the altar. And this is his response. Put away your wine, woman. Come to the altar drinking. And she's like, what? Right? She was misunderstood. How many of us have been misunderstood in our pain? Peninnah, who the Bible says that her husband loved Hannah more. She's ridiculing Hannah out of her pain. Hurt people hurt people, amen? That doesn't make it hurt less, but it does help us have a heart for the other and the story. And so here, she's misunderstood. She's, she's not providing for the economy. She's not providing for the people. She's not providing for herself. She's in a bad place. And out of this bad place, she makes a vow. She says, God, if you'll just give me a child, I'll give him back to you. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, if you help me win the lottery, I'll not just tithe. I'll give the whole thing. That's what she said. I'll give him all of him back to you. And so she makes this vow. Hannah's song gives us courage to face our story. What kind of barrenness are you walking through today? Could be spiritual. Could be in a dry season this morning. I've been through those. Young people, it might mean you don't make the team. It might mean you didn't have the year you wanted to academically. It might mean you're, you're on the outside looking into the crowd you want to be in. You're outside. No matter what you're putting on, no matter who you're reaching out to, you can't get in. Men, barrenness to you might mean a lack of deep relationship. Beatty and I were talking about this this week. The underpinning of all addiction is an intimacy disorder. How many, there's addiction is a pandemic among men. And it's not because they want the thing, it's because they're lacking intimacy. They're barren in their relationships. Amen. And so they go to the alcohol and the drugs and the pornography because they can't have an intimate relationship with another person. They're in pain, they're barren, and they're turning to something else to fill the void. Maybe a child of yours is not where you thought they'd be. But here's what we learn from Hannah's song is that vulnerability and honesty is, is the starting point for breakthrough. You gotta be honest. You gotta come to the Lord and be honest about where you're barren. You gotta be honest about what's going on in your heart. Every great song, every great story has a problem to solve, an obstacle to overcome, an enemy to vanquish, a trauma to heal. What kind of song is God building in your story this morning? Because the song of Hannah is powerful because she went through it. What barrenness, what trauma, what suffering are you going through this morning or have gone through that God's building the song? Y'all ever heard Adele sing, right? Y'all, that top 10 albums of the 2010s, 21. What did she say about her album? Every song was heart-wrenching. Every, I mean, you can hear it. Set fire to the rain, baby. I want to set fire to the rain. I want to hear the story. It's pain. I mean, she, and I quote, 
It'll be 10 years before I even feel the end of this pain that it took to write this album. That's what she said. Now, I'm not getting into all the theology and the, the psychology of her soul. I just know she went through something to sing like that. What kind of song is God setting up for you to sing this morning? God is building a story. He's building a song. Shepherd Fairy, who, if you ever remember that um, kind of comic picture of Obama with the word hope underneath, it was blue and red. He was the artist behind that. This is what he says. All art needs resistance. All art needs resistance. There's nothing beautiful that can come out of us without the pain of resistance. God is building a song for you to sing, but it won't come easy. There is no Samuel in the hands of God if there's not a season where Hannah walks through the fire. Amen? God's just giving you death. It's, it's funny when, when so-and-so sings, sets fire to the rain. Oh, that's good. But when she sings it, she's got a story with it. She identifies with it. She remembers what it felt like. God's given you depth to your song. Are you singing karaoke? Are you singing a song from the heart? Hannah said, I sang, I lift my heart to you, O God. Exalted you, God, from my heart. Not only does Hannah's song give us courage to face our story, it gives us faith to join his. Hannah saw herself in a larger story. We live in a tell your story, live your truth, follow your heart. But Hannah saw something bigger. Do you I mean, I don't think we really understand Hannah's faith in this moment. She was saying, I'll give up my security and my future and my, my story so that I might produce an heir, a son, an heir for your story. So she was saying, do you, do you get that? She was seeing the story of God is telling as greater than her story. She didn't say, give me a son. She said, you give me a son. I'll give him back to you. All the days of his life. Hannah gave up her story for his story. It reminds me of that rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, man, I'll follow you. And he's like, will you sell everything? And he went away sad. He tells a parable about this merchant who goes to the market and finds the pearl of great price. And, he, and Jesus tells it this way. He says, the kingdom of God is like a man who goes into the market and finds the pearl of great price and then seeing it goes home and joyfully sells everything, gets up all his resources and comes back and gives everything for this pearl. To be a part of God's story, to be a part of the kingdom of God was worth it all. And Hannah sees it. She's willing to lay it all down. O oh Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Here's the thing though. 
Hannah's song. There wasn't anything like, Hannah wasn't putting this like perfect song together. Like I'm going to change history. I mean, a little bit of exaltation, right? Like this cauldron. I'm going to get a little bit of sadness in here. Some sovereignty of God in the mix. And I'm just the right, when that beat pops, like when, that, when you feel that rhythm, like boom, it's going to change. No, no, that's not. Hannah is singing the same song that God's been singing from all time immemorial. Do you see that? She's not inventing a song. Hannah is looking back and saying, you lift the needy from the ash heap. You make the poor sit among kings. She's looking back at the nation of Israel as slaves, watching them plunder the riches of Egypt and walk out like nothing happened. She's like, oh, this is what God does. He takes the needy. He takes the broken. He takes the impoverished, and he raises them up. He takes the rich and the wealth and the powerful, and he puts them down. She's singing God's song. Do you see that? It's her song, but it's God's song. If you'll join his story, he'll take your barrenness and make it beautiful. If you join his story, he'll make your heartache and shape history with it. If you'll join his story, he'll take your pain and make it powerful. God never wastes a hurt. I don't know what's behind you, but this is what I do know. The power of God redeems all pain and suffering for his glory. See, Hannah's song helps us release a story so we can take up his. And, it, and both are required, right? You can't just keep your story and take his too. You gotta lay your story down and take his up and he will give you a new story. But we have to be willing to leave ours. What's keeping you from joining his story this morning? Is it pain? Being misunderstood? Finally, Hannah's song gives us strength to sing our own song. I thought you said you had to give up your song. You do. But then he gives you a song to sing. This is amazing. I love this part of the story. Hannah sings this song. Now we have this song because Samuel wrote it down. This was a legacy song. This was a song he'd heard his mom sing. We have it in writing because it was passed on. But it didn't stop with Samuel. In fact, when the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and tells her, hey, you're going to bear the Son of God, Right? It's a big deal. Do you know she sings a song we call the Magnificat? All scholars say this is the same song Hannah sang, but in her own words. She took Hannah's song and she sang it in a new way. This was a remix. Y'all heard the re uh, it was a good. It was a good remix. He took Hannah's original and she made it better. And we still know the Magnificat. We, we know the Mary's song, which was really Hannah's song, which was really God's song. 
I was listening. I don't know if you, those of you have kids or younger kids, you get to hear some great music. But every once in a while, they, they may force you to listen to their music. And so there's this uh, song from the Super Mario Brothers movie, sung by Bowser, called Peaches. Now, I know from those from the 90s, it's not millions of peaches, peaches for me. So that's a different song. It goes like this, peaches, 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 and they do that for a while. And... I'm listening to this song, and I'm like, oh, that's okay. Peaches, peaches. All right. And then I'm like, I, rec I recognize this voice. It's Jack Black. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's Jack Black's voice. I recognize it because every voice has a sound. And though Mary sang Hannah's song, she sang it in a new way that only Mary could sing it. See, when we sing God's song, it's the same song, but it's sung from your lips, from your history, from your legacy. It's sung from your faith, and it has a distinct sound. And God, when he's up there, he's hearing the choir of his glory, and he's like, oh, I hear Blake's voice. It's a little pitchy, but it's good, <laughs> right? It's got faith on it. And nothing touches my heart like his voice touches my heart. See, Hannah's song inspires us to sing his song when only you can sing it. Every artist will tell you, not just the voice is unique. Right? We know that. There, a voice is like a fingerprint. It is uniquely yours. If you have children or family, you can, as soon as you pick up the phone, there was a day when we didn't have caller ID. You had to pick up the phone. It was like Russian roulette. It was like, could be, I'm could getting these sold pots and pans, or I could hear my son's voice. Like, we don't know. But you hear the voice, you're like, click, I don't know that voice. You have a distinct voice. But any performing artist will tell you, even a room, every room changes the sound of the voice. You might sing in a cathedral, you might sing in an arena, you might sing at a coffee shop, but every, every atmosphere produces its unique sound. And so I'm just thinking about the song that God's singing through your voice. And where has he put you so that you might sing it in a new way? What does God's song sound like out of your voice in your business in 2023? What does God's song sound like from your voice in local or national government? What does the sound of God sound like? We've got to work that out. We've got to sit with the song that God's singing and we've got to work it out in this setting for his glory. What song, what does God's song sound like in your high school? On your college campus? I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll sing the song of God on your college campus, the world will see it. It doesn't take much to lift a light of a lamp on the college campus and all will be flocked to it. The song of God sung from your lips where he's put you. Do you sing the song of God in your home? 
What does it sound like in the walls of your home and in your marriage to your kids? Samuel wrote this song down. We have it because he heard his mom sing a song and it shaped him. Do you think, what do you think he was thinking when he's hiding over with David, anointing him, thinking, this shepherd boy, really? That his parents don't even like? And then in the back of his mind, I take the needy from the ash heap and I make them sit among kings. The song that God's singing, shaping his ministry. And they go from judges to a king, to King David, to the lineage of the Christ. The sovereignty of God. God singing his song through Hannah's lips, through Samuel's pen, through our hearts. And it gives us faith to look back at our story and say, God, this is a mess and I don't want to deal with this, but there's a song coming out of this. I wonder how many songs we've yet to hear because we don't have the faith to look back and say, look, you were in the ash heap for a reason. Can you sing of the glory of God? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a richness for your, of your voice and your soul when you sing from that place. It gives us courage. It gives us faith. It gives us hope to look back and to leave our story and sing for a greater story. To sing our song. The climax of Hannah's song in verse 10. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. There's no king. There's no king in Israel. There's never been a king in Israel. When Hannah sings this song, no king exists. It's a song of faith. A king will come. A king will emerge. God will raise him up. And exalt the horn of his anointed. That phrase had never been uttered about a king in Israel. She was the first. Who was this king? This king of glory. The Lord strong and mighty. The lamb of God who would give his life for the sins of the world. We sing because Jesus, the anointed one, laid down his life. I was the man on the ash heap, and so were you, morally and spiritually, wallowing in my sin, wallowing in our sin and our our brokenness, and God raised us up. Why? Because an anointed king came. For not by might shall a man prevail. You didn't bring anything to the table. When we think of John, when we think of being born. We're we're celebrating mothers today, right? What did you do for your mother to birth you? Not a daggum thing. It was her labor. It was her endurance. It was her strength. It was her love that brought you into existence. And when Jesus looks at the religious leaders in John chapter three, he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It is a picture of God's amazing grace that in order for you to be right with God and enter into the kingdom of God, someone else has to labor, love, 
endure, produce you into his glory. You did nothing. We sing because he delivered us. He brought us from low and he lifted us high. And it was nothing that we did. And it allows us then to take this song and sing it in every tribe, people, and nation because we're no better. How did I get here? His grace. He lifted me up. For not by might shall a man prevail. This Mother's Day, can we remember? Yes, thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mom. For producing for laboring, for enduring. And then let that be a reflection. All mothers in here, reflecting the glory of God in the gospel that you were born not of your own effort. You couldn't keep yourself alive if you tried. Couldn't even keep your head up, you know? <laughs> I love last week, Devon talking about your self-made man. You couldn't even feed yourself, bro. Like, what did you, you could do nothing. And God raises us up by his grace through his son, Jesus. Do you know that God is for you this morning? Do you know that God is for you? You can know that. You can know that God is for you this morning. We heard it, we heard it in the song. We heard it sung again by Mary. We see it through the life death and resurrection of King Jesus. He is for you. If you will let go of your song and lay hold of his. That's what the Bible calls repentance, turning away from you being in charge and submitting to the great king because of what he's done. That is salvation, amen? To honor salvation and to make sure that we're in the right key. Y'all, y'all, we're not always in the right key, amen? amen. To, to ensure we're in the right key, we do something on a regular basis called communion to, to make sure that I'm not singing my song, amen? But we come to the altar to remember Christ was broken. Christ's blood was spilt. And that's how I'm right with God, amen? So let's take communion this morning if you have the elements with you. If you need elements, raise your hand and one of our ushers will, will bring that to you. Got a couple up front. Oh, someone just picked him up. We're good. All right, anybody else? Over here. Keep your hand raised. He's coming. Communion reminds us that the song that God is singing is a song of sacrifice. A song of his brokenness. God suffered for our sin, for our forgiveness. We're all singing in unison this morning. Amen.
Jesus, on the night he was arrested, gathered the disciples together and it was a Passover feast. And it's interesting because in John, John's version, there's no Passover lamb ever mentioned because Jesus was the Passover lamb. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to take this bread. And he broke it. He said, my body would be broken for you. And so you and I get to receive the free gift of salvation because Jesus laid down his life for you and I. His body was beaten and broken, whipped, scourged, beard, beard ripped out, crown of thorns pressed on his head, mocked, ridiculed, so that we might be accepted. He was rejected so that we might be accepted. So this morning we take the bread. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for obeying your father even to death on a cross. This is his body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of him. Then Jesus took the cup, a symbol of his blood spilt for our purification. That we can be white as snow this morning. Did y'all know that? You can be forgiven white as snow because of what Jesus did for you. This is Jesus' blood spilt for you. Let's do this in remembrance of him. stand to our feet as we close. Father, thank you for your amazing love that you take our pain And you sit with us in it. You stepped into our pain. There's nothing that we experience that you haven't experienced. There's nowhere you've asked us to go that you haven't gone before us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for being a good high priest. Suffering so that when we suffer, we have someone to call on who knows us, who knows our pain. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord. Thank you for your patience with us. Give us grace to extend that patience to others around us. As we sang this morning, as you've forgiven us, help us to forgive others. Lord, may we be the salt and the light in the earth that you've called us to be. Help us start in our homes. And let it spill out into the world. Father, give us a song to sing. Lord, may we have the strength and the, and the grace to sing your song where you've placed us. Unashamed, where you brought us through. 
a voice of faith, a voice of hope from a, for a generation that desperately needs it. Give us your grace today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Let's give the Lord a hand this morning as we close. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you need prayer, we're going to have the altar open. We'd love to pray with you. You guys have an amazing day. Treat your mothers right. We'll see you next week.